from NPR and Futuro Media, it's Latino USA. I'm Maria Hinojosa. Today, a conversation with Alejandra Guzman, the legendary Mexican rockera. Alejandra Guzman is often called La Reina del Rock, the queen of Latin American rock and roll. She made her debut in 1988 when she was only 20 years old. Her career has spanned three decades, and she's released more than 20 albums. Maybe not a complete surprise, since Alejandra comes from a star-studded Mexico City-based family. Her father is Enrique Guzman, the iconic 60s rockero. Her mother, actress Silvia Pinal, who was a star during the golden age of Mexican cinema. They introduced little Alejandra to the stage when she was just two months old, back on their TV show called Silvia y Enrique. Amigos, les presento a Alejandra Guzmán. <laughs> Alejandra has always been close to the limelight. But it's her unapologetic brashness and her open sexuality that's earned her a special place in the hearts of rockeros across Latin America. Over her years in the studio and touring the world, Alejandra has juggled music and motherhood, battled illness, and confronted a culture that hasn't always been kind to women who own their sexuality. Now in her 50s, Alejandra is still performing and collaborating with younger musicians. She spoke with me about her career and what the rock and roll lifestyle looks like with hip replacements. Alejandra Guzman, bienvenida, welcome. Thank you so much for, for speaking with us on Latino USA. It's quite special to have the Alejandra Guzman on our show. Thank you. I am really, really honored to be here. So Alejandra, if you were to describe yourself to someone who's been living under a rock in Mexico and in the United States for the last, you know, 30 years. Yes. Okay. 31 years. Exacto. So how would you describe who you are? Well, <laughs> I am a deep voice, intensive performer. I like to dance. I come from two big artists. My father is a singer, Enrique Guzman, and my mother is an actress, a movie actress, Silvia Pinal. I've always wanted to be a rock star, an artist. I, I didn't like to act because I prefer to be myself. And I studied theater, but first I did ballet, jazz, tap, and a lot of dances. And all of this was happening where? So your your dad in between rock concerts, your mom in between her multiple movies and TV shows. Were they the ones who were saying, vamos Alejandra, tu clase de ballet, let's get you to ballet. And, and was this all happening in Mexico City? Yeah, my mother was the one that always took me to the ballet classes. I had aptitudes for a dancer, but I, I am a very tiny person. And I had big breasts. So I knew I wasn't going to be a dancer because they don't have anything anything uh, <laughs> in the front or the derriere. So I went out of my house when I was 17. Yeah. And a producer from Spain discovered me. 
Well, well, wait, hold on a second, though, because you left your house at 17 in an act of rebellion. Why did you leave your house? And why was it somebody else who was going to discover you when you had, you know, like the father of Mexican rock and roll right at home with you? Because I was very, very rebel. And uh, I did theater with my mom and I didn't like to act. So then I decided not to be an actress because I have my sisters are all actresses. So then I run out from my house and then I did an audition and I won the audition and I went to Spain and I came back with my album and I showed them my album and they they were shocked. They, they were like, oh, my God, she did it. And so I started like that. In fact, that album, your very first album, is called Bye, Mama. Mm -hmm. Like, goodbye, Mom. Mama. Y yo que siempre te esperaba para hablarte de mis cosas. And it's like, were you, estabas en pleito? Were you fighting with your mom? Or was it... You know, Mexican moms and their daughters, we have this thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm in the same problem now. <laughs> But you know what? It's part of the life. You have to get away from your mom to be someone. You have to fly away from the nest. That's what I think. And, and that's the, the idea of the song, mm. you know, like, bye, mama, I have to go and do my own thing. And I think it was the best to do because they are two big, big stars. You know, a lot of people, they have this notion that in Mexico, like, we're all playing mariachis and rancheras and boleros and that that's all the music that there <laughs> is. And There is like this deep love, especially in Mexico City and the big cities, for American and British rock and roll. Yeah. I mean, your dad was part of that, Enrique Guzman, as kind of a, a Mexican rock and roll pioneer. It's true. Your dad translated these hits from the United States, including the Little Richard song, Good Golly, Miss Molly. which became La Plaga, which was a super popular song in Mexico in the 50s and 60s. And it's amazing because when I sing that song, everybody jumps and, and start dancing and rock and roll still rock and roll. What is your analysis of why Mexicans from big cities, why is it that we love hardcore traditional rock, whether it's like Elvis or the Rolling Stones? What is it all about? Well, I think it's part of the of what the songs say. Music makes me get crazy or get euphoric, but... I like mariachi as well, you know? The thing is that rock in Spanish is stronger. I don't know why. Like, 
the words, mm-hmm. the way you sing it. I mean, the first time I saw you perform, you know, my mind exploded because I think oftentimes, you know, as a Mexican woman who grew up in the United States, everybody thinks of Mexican women as like, we're very servile to our husbands and all this. But the truth is, is that... Not all of us. Not all of us. <laughs> and I have the image of the Adelitas, the women who were fighting in the revolution. I think about Sor Juana Inés de la Cruz, this radical feminist nun and poet from the 1600s. I love Frida Kahlo. Right. They showed the whole world who who they were, you know. And we have fragility, but we have strength. As an artist, I show the strength, but I show them the fragile part of me. Mm. So I I can sing a, a nice ballad. And part of my music, the most known are ballads. But when I sing rock, I let myself sweat and be happy and be free. That's what I feel. I loved just watching how you command the stage, how you throw your body around, how <laughs> you were the embodiment of rock and roll in el sentido de que you would literally go crazy on stage you know, jumping around. I mean, what was that like when you dropped your first album in the late 1980s? Both you and I know that while Mexico is very open to powerful women because we've been around since the beginning, yeah, Mexico is also a country that can smother you in traditions. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about what that was like in the beginning of your career when you were navigating this. I, I am going to talk to you about this because when I let out one single that was Hacer el Amor con Otro. Everybody was like, wow, you're crazy. How dare you're going to sing this? Because it's a song that basically says, I'm when you're making love. It was with, a very... with another one, <laughs> not you. <laughs> with another one. <laughs> and they were not acceptable for me. They always stuck things, you know. And uh, after one year, it was a big hit, the biggest hit I've got in my career. So I think I broke some stereotypes, and uh, that's part of the music. That's part of what we do as musicians. Mm. You have to be very you. So in your biography, when you talk about yourself, you say that your biggest and your best role has been becoming a mom. Mm. And you're actually performing. You were touring in your fifth month of pregnancy, and you write a song for your daughter. It's called Te Esperaba. Yo te esperaba y veía mi cuerpo crecer mientras buscaba. Can you tell me a little bit about, about that song and about being a rock and roll performer pregnant at a time when it wasn't what people were used to seeing? Yeah, I wrote a letter 
for my son or daughter because I didn't know what it was going to be. And from that letter, they did the song. And uh, I loved it because for me it was saying goodbye to stage and I was six and a half months, the last uh, concert that I did. And uh, I slided through a big tunnel <laughs> to get in stage. The doctor told me, you can do anything. You are used to make exercise, so don't worry. Nothing's going to happen to you. And uh, when she was born, it was crazy because then I had to carry with a nanny, with with the baby, with everything. But I did that until Frida had to go to school. Success was really overwhelming by that time. So I think it helped me to touch ground again. Coming up on Latino USA, Alejandra Guzman talks plastic surgery, aging, and how applause from her fans has gotten her through her toughest moments. Stay with us. No te vayas. What's good, y'all? As you know, February is Black History Month. And all throughout that month, NPR's Code Switch is going to be running a special series about the history of Black resistance. Because as long as Black folks have been oppressed in this country, which is, you know, forever, we've also been fighting back. Listen and subscribe. back. And before the break, we were talking to singer Alejandra Guzman about her legendary career and the public attention that comes with it. Alejandra is now in her 50s, and being a rock star looks a little bit different now than it did when she was younger. Her body has always been a big part of her performances. Her sexuality is central to her image, and she used to dance and throw herself into the crowd during concerts. But... A decade ago, Alejandra had a plastic surgery that went wrong, and it almost killed her. We spoke about her recovery and about how the entire experience has led Alejandra to embrace her wrinkles. One of the things that also happens to women, mm -hmm. and especially when you're you know, being watched by millions of people, is that... We are very aware of our bodies. We are very aware of how we look. I'm thinking about the fact that mi mamá, for example, you know, no puedes salir sin arreglarte la cara. You know, you can't go out without, quote unquote, fixing your face. Yes. And this is something that I was learning as a little girl, right? And it turns out that all of us, even famous, powerful women like you, you know, we often look at our bodies and say, hmm, what can I do? What can I change to look better? Yeah. And so you make this decision 
in 2009 to have some plastic surgery. Yes. What was your thought process at that time? Well, I the idea was to make myself a little better, you know, just to have a an injection in both sides of my derriere. And I thought, well, it's it's not bad. It's not that bad. It didn't seem that bad. And it was to a doctor. To get the injections. Uh-huh. So it was a doctor, and I said, okay, let's do it. And six months later, I had to go back to the hospital to check myself because I couldn't even walk. And I had an, a big infection in my body. I stayed in the hospital six months. And I had to fight for my life because I had four different bacterias. Mm. So my body is rejecting it. When it rejects it, it gets swollen, it gets red, it gets black, it, it hurts a lot. Your immune system goes away, you feel down, you don't have energy. And uh, I have to be very aware of this every day. So one of the things that you said after coming out of the hospital, you said in Spanish, Hoy aprendí a cuidarme más. A ser una mejor persona, a cuidar mi cuerpo, a escucharlo, pero sobre todo a tener paciencia. Which basically means you came out and you learned how to take care of your body and listen to your body. And you yes. talk about the importance of learning patience. I'm wondering, what do you mean by patience? Because... You know, both you and I are not spring chickens, right? So we're I know. We're trying to think <laughs> about like, you know, how life is moving on and I'm thinking about the fact that you're like I want patience at this time while you're a patient in the hospital. The thing is that in español in Spanish se llama paciente because you have to have patience. <laughs> you are the one that has to have patience, but each of us has the power to recover. So you have to fight and you have to talk to your body. You have to talk to yourselves because the medicine, the doctor gave you the medicine, but you are the one that heals or not. So, you know, after all these, now I love myself more. I see my scars and I say, well, they are part of your fight in life. Mm. So now I love myself more, even that I don't have any ass. <laughs> what about that? I mean, you know, you just got to do a lot of squats if you want a big butt, mija. You know that. Yeah, but this is not a squat problem. The thing is that I have two hip replacements, too. And I did it because I never warmed up. And they work better than the real ones, but... Anyway, I have to take care. So <laughs> now I just take care of me. I don't go party. I stop drinking. I mean, I change a lot of things in my life. So I'm wondering about your song, Soy Asi. It's a song about self-love and empowerment. But, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about all of the changes that you've made now. You know, you stop drinking. You're not the partier. So when you say soy así, what are you saying about soy así? This is who I am. This is how I am. Soy así talks about when you read things of yourself on the Instagram or whatever, no? If you know who you are, it's going to be better, you know, to keep on believing in yourself than 
reading all these comments that are gonna make you crazy. So, so yeah, see, it's like, this is me, and this is me, and that's the way I am, and I accept myself, even that somebody doesn't like it, that it's okay, you know? It's like a message for all these people that are in the other part of the computer. You know, Mexicans, we talk a lot about la muerte is everywhere. La Catrina is this iconic symbol representing death in Mexico. And you came close to death. Can you tell me what that conversation was like with la Catrina? I really never wanted to listen to her. <laughs> Nuh-uh. That was not my time to die. And I knew it. And everybody thought I was going to die. But, uh-uh, <laughs> mala hierba nunca muere. <laughs> I think I, I got great things in life, like music, like all these fans. And when when I told my father that I wanted to die, I called him and he was singing in a big auditorium. So he was like, okay, just a moment. And he put the people and the people was like shouting, Alejandra, yeah. The applause, the that sound, that's the best drug I've ever had. <laughs> and I didn't sleep that night. All night long, I was like full of that emotion. That healed me, mm. I swear to God, because I was ya tirando la toalla, you know? I was like sick of it. Six months in a hospital. It's mm. crazy. You get crazy. So, Alejandra... I want to ask you a little bit about your body is gorgeous. I mean, estás preciosa. Gracias, mi you... reina. <laughs> <laughs> but how are you processing being older as a sexual object as well? Well, I think that there's a lot of ways to be sexy, but everything is changing. So the way I feel comfortable is not showing Everything, you know, at least getting something for the imagination and not losing my exercise and trying not to jump on stage or, or jump into the public. I used to do that, but I can't now because of my hips. So I have to take care. But I love to perform and don't care. The thing is that I want to grow up and leave a little bit of wrinkles because I want to wear them proudly. I think it's the moment to accept that, you know, and to really enjoy it because each moment, it's got its own brightness if you know how to wear it. You know, your new album is really just wonderful. You've got these fabulous covers of Maná, of Caifanes. Soda Stereo, Radio Futura. 
Charlie Garcia. I mean, these are top names. How did you pick the bands that you wanted to cover? I'm a big fan of them. So I picked these big bands that I love, and I didn't need any time for anything because I knew already the songs. So I came, I rehearsed in one week, and we did it. Oh, because they're covers, you just had been singing them your whole life, is basically. Yeah, I knew them, and when I sing them, <laughs> I forget about Alejandra Guzman. You have always said that you will always be a rockera. And I'm wondering, what do you say to the young rockeras, Mexicanas, Latinas, uh, Latinoamericanas? What do you say to the young rockeras who want to follow in your footsteps? To do it, to go for it. Think about what you want to say to the world and, and believe in you. Sometimes you have to knock doors and they're going to shut it in your nose, but there's a lot of doors to <laughs> to go, you know, and try and try because, as you said, my mother and my father are famous, but I had to go and find an audition and work it, and here I am. So believe in you, and I think that's the most important thing to do. And there's always... A flame that you can see in your eyes. That's the flame of your heart. So never forget about that. There's a flame and you have to keep it burning, baby. Alejandra Guzman, thank you for keeping it burning. Thank you for everything that you've done and for joining me on Latino USA. Thank you. This episode was produced by Alisa Escarce and Ginny Montalvo with help from Julia Inés Esparza. It was edited by Sofia Palizacar. The Latino USA team includes Miguel Macias, Fernanda Camarena, Antonia Cerejido, and Janice Yamoca with help from Joanne Luna. Our engineers are Stephanie LeBeau and Julia Caruso. Additional engineering this week by Leah Shaw. Our production manager is Natalia Fidelholtz. Our digital editor is Amanda Alcantara. Our intern is Julia Rocha. Our theme music was composed by Zenia Rubinos. If you like the music you heard on this episode, stop by latinousa.org and check out our weekly Spotify playlist. I'm your host and executive producer, Maria Hinojosa. Join us again on our next episode. And in the meantime, look for us on all of your social media. Hasta la próxima. Ciao. Latino USA is made possible in part by the New York Women's Foundation, funding women leaders that build solutions in their communities and celebrating 30 years of radical generosity. The John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation and the Ford Foundation, 
working with visionaries on the front lines of social change worldwide. La agarraron como el tigre de Santa Julia, María. Hello. <laughs> Hola, María. Hola, ¿cómo andas? <laughs> Bien, ¿y tú? <laughs> Pensé que estabas cagando porque no, 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 ¿dónde andabas? Yo dije, le han de haber agarrado como el tigre de Santa Julia, digo. I'm María Hinojosa, and next time on Latino USA, a mother and daughter have that conversation about the time mom was taken by ICE and the daughter was left behind. That's next time on Latino USA.